Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard Podcast. Our mission is simple. Find God, find others, find yourself. That's it. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information on Reveal, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. At the beginning of every year, we start a new series uh, that will hopefully propel us into the new year and provide a foundation of growth, both personal and spiritual growth. And so this is no exception. We're starting uh, a new series this year that's on our emotional health. And so let me just ask you a question. If you review last year or 2014, how would you rate your emotional health? A scale of 1 to 10, 10 being exceptional, 1 being off the wall crazy. How would you rate your emotional health? Where would you fall in that? Has your mood ever gotten you into trouble? Have you ever woke up in a bad mood and you said something that as it was coming out of your mouth, you knew this was a bad idea, but you just didn't care because you were in a mood? Have you ever been in a mood and you went into work and you told your boss exactly what you think of him or her? Maybe you lost a job because of a mood. Some of us are in an 18-year relationship with a child because you were in the mood, if you know what I'm saying, right? Has a, has, has a mood ever kept you home on Sunday because you just weren't in the mood to go to church? Are there people in your life that are emotionally draining to you and, and sucking your emotional life out of you? Some of you are thinking, I have a teenager, so that answer would be yes, and maybe for some of us that's true. Uh, have, have you ever done anything that goes against your life vision or maybe your values because of a mood or because of an emotion. If left unchecked, our emotions have a way of sabotaging our future plans and goals, not only for this year, but could sabotage them for many years to come. The Old Testament tells us of the story of Esau, who is the older brother of Jacob. And in a period of time where Esau's emotions ran unchecked, He allowed his his emotions to take it to the worst possible case scenario where he thought he was starving to death. And he sold the blessings of his birthright to his younger brother all because his mood, his emotions, took the best of him. Emotions have a way of lying to us and magnifying a situation to make it appear critical or cataclysmic. And they have a way of deceiving us, conning us, and leading us us astray. So today we start a new series that's called Emoticons. And you'll notice a little dash there because our emotions have a way of conning us or a way of deceiving us. And so today we're going to look at how do we move from a place of emoti confusion to a place of emoti control. Today we live in a culture that prefers written text over face-to-face communication. The younger you are, the more that you agree with this. My uh, children, all young adults who uh, will gather, you know, pile up 5,000 plus text messages a month with about eight minutes of talk data only. Everything is done through text. And while this is great in some ways, it does present some relationship problems because you can't pick up on the body language and, and the tone of the individual who is speaking to you. And so the solution has been 
emoticons, these little uh, individuals that, that we have with faces. Go ahead and put up that next slide. Little faces that are supposed to communicate more effectively how we're feeling and what was intended. The idea is to draw the receiver's attention to the tenor and the temper of the sender's nonverbal communication. They're designed to bring added feeling to your text. And so you could go from this, show that next slide, I'm sorry your boyfriend dumped you, as opposed to this, I'm sorry your boyfriend dumped you, sad face with a tear, right? It's just, it's more hard. You know how bad I feel because now you see the emoji face and now you feel the pain that's coming from me. Now, as a guy, I have, I've had a difficult time. Like, I don't think I've ever texted something with a tear on it, right? There's, there's appropriate male-to-male emoticons. Like this one, I think, is totally acceptable. A fist bump, always good, guy-to-guy communication. I have no issues with that. Even this next one, angry guy, I'm, if you're telling me off, I'm okay with that one. I'll even take the classic poop emoji, right? I'm, I'm even okay with that. But no guy should ever send me something like this. That's just wrong. And some of you... Like last service, you're texting me things like that right now as my phone is vibrating in my pocket. <laughs> if you're good at emoticons, you can even have an entire conversation. Like, look at this one. Take a moment. What is that saying there? We're out of toilet paper. Exactly. You can yeah, now it's going to hit some of you. Like, oh, I get it. Now, this should be concerning because we're actually de-evolving and going back to cave drawings. It's kind of, we're going to do antelope stick figures on the walls of our house at some point. Emoticons can also be convenient in that they can reveal more emotion than what the sender actually intended. So I have people who send me things from time to time that they think is hilarious, but it really, it, I, you don't even crack a smile, but I'll send them back something like this. Right? I laughed so hard, I cried. And it makes them feel great about themselves, and it cost me absolutely nothing. I don't know how many times I've laughed till I cried, but we all kind of do those types of things. Well, over the next several weeks, we're going to explore our emoticons, or our emotional icons, or our emotions. And so here's what I want you to ask yourself. Are your emotions contributing or controlling your life? Are your emotions today... Last year, the year before, are they contributing or are they controlling your life? Our goal in this series is to move from emoti confusion to emoti control because our emotions, our moods have the potential of sabotaging what is best for us and what God has planned for us because they have a way of taking us astray when we are led by our emotions. Join me as we pray today. So Lord, would you speak to us regarding this subject? All of us here have had periods of time where we have been led by our emotions and we have regrets over those things. Some may have situations in life that are still, that they're still experiencing because of emotions that have left, have gone unchecked. And so today we ask that you would give us wisdom on how we can control our emotions instead of our emotions controlling us. And would you propel us this year into a year that is a breakthrough year, a year of growth personally, a year of growth spiritually, a year of growth relationally with others around us, a year of growth with you. And so we pray that you would have control and that you would speak to us, Lord, for our offering that we will receive later. 
Let it go towards what we are trying to be in our community, that we're trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus, trying to feed those who are hungry and clothe those who are cold and those who are without. We're trying to bring some joy into the face of a child. We're just trying to represent you. Pray that you would bless all those in their generosity, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs. It's also known as the book of wisdom. It was written by King Solomon. Uh, he's a principal writer. It was penned uh, about 900 B.C. And here's what Solomon says to us in his wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 4, 18. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. He says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. And then verse 19, he says, But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Now as a side note on this, I want you to pick up on those two, those three words, the way, but the way of the wicked. In other words, you can be in Christ, you can be a, a Christ follower, but in a certain area of your life, you may be on a way or a path that is leading you the wrong direction. And oftentimes, when we're like that, when I've been there, deep in my spirit, I know I'm on the wrong path, but my emotions lead me, and so I stay on a path that eventually leads me to stumble and leads me to destruction. It's the way of the wicked, and you can be in Christ, but in an area where your emotions lead you, you can be on a path that is pulling you away from God's best. Verse 20, Solomon says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. God's desire is that what he starts in our spirit would spread to every part of our being, that it would, he would give us new thoughts and a new lease on life, and that he would, he would begin to impact every part of our being as a holistic God. He wants to transform all of who we are. And then verse 23, he says, above all else. He says, now listen, if you missed what I was saying, here's the most important part. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Go to the next slide there. For above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. NASB says, for from it flow the springs of life. Now think about that. He says, above all else, I want you to guard your heart. How do we move from emotional confusion to emotional control? The writer tells us, you and I must guard that which is most important, and that is our heart. Could have said anything. He could have said, you need to, to, to guard your body, or you need to guard your money, or you need to guard your children, guard your marriage. Instead, he says, I want you to guard your heart. Often in biblical texts, the heart represents the seat of our emotions and intelligence, and it, it represents the tone and the quality of one's character. In other words, your heart, in biblical texts, is the, the source that everything, out, that everything else in your life flows out of. It is the spring of your life. Meaning that if your source is polluted, everything else downstream becomes toxic. 
And so Solomon, in his wisdom, says, above all else, if you can only guard one thing, then you must look after your heart. Because if your heart becomes polluted, everything else in life will be polluted as well. It, it, it amazes me how we live in a culture where we guard everything except what Solomon says is most important. We'll guard our skin, right? We put on SPF 200 just to walk to the mailbox because, and it's a good thing, but we guard our skin. Or, or we'll, we'll, we'll guard our family from certain chemicals and cleaning products and yet we'll leave our heart unprotected. We'll guard our caloric intake. Some of you do, I don't. Guard our caloric intake because we, we want to guard our body, but we'll leave our heart completely exposed. We'll guard ourselves from gluten, whatever that is, and yet we'll roll out the red carpet to allow people of confusion and, and, and poor talk and people who, who are emotionally toxic, we'll roll out the red carpet and invite them into our heart to complain. We'll guard our children from any and all danger. The newest uh, uh, the latest height requirements for car seats, based upon that, my wife should still be in a car seat, right? It's like, how big do they need to get before we'll let them get out? Of, and just seeing my wife in a car seat mentally is humorous to me. But We'll guard our house with alarms and dogs and guns where no one can get into our house, but we will allow anyone into our heart. We'll protect our home from bugs, and we'll protect our lawn from weeds. We'll guard our, our, our stuff, and yet we won't give our heart a second thought. And yet, a man of great wisdom said, above all else, you must guard your heart. It's not that the other things are bad, but if you don't guard your heart, the other stuff eventually becomes rather meaningless. And so maybe, maybe the reason that our emotions get the best of us so often. And maybe the reason we have a hard time maintaining any joy or emotional stability. Maybe the reason we don't enjoy the things that we used to. Or maybe nothing seems to excite us in the way that it used to. Or maybe the reason we need more and more expensive toys to get an emotional response out of us is that our heart has been unguarded and slowly it has been polluted. And now everything else in life has really just become toxic. Everything else in life has become polluted. And what would happen if we begin to guard our heart like we guard some of the other things in life? You should know that uh, as, I'm, you know, as I'm preparing for this, I'm, I'm really thinking, God, the last person that should give a talk on emotions is me because I am one of the most moody men you have ever met in your life. Pray for my wife. And, and so as I prepare this, you should know that I have preached to myself maybe harder than I've ever preached to myself as I'm doing this message. And I'm taking down notes and thinking, oh yeah, you need to start applying that one yourself. So as I'm preaching to you, realize I've already given it to myself. And that we would, myself included, move from a place of emotive confusion to emotive control. So what does it look like for us to guard our heart? Let me give you five thoughts. The first one is to guard who and what you let in. Every day, subconsciously, we are influenced by uh, things that often we are completely unaware of. 
people that we surround ourselves with or advertisements or music or television and, and, and films. And you just can't allow everything and anything into your heart, nor can you just allow anyone into your heart because some people are toxic to the source. Some people, just they, every time you're around them, you're emotionally weary and your heart is stepped on and, and, and you feel dirty and you feel polluted and you walk away feeling more depressed because they spoke things into you and they're just toxic to the source. Proverbs 13 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but the companion of a fool suffers harm. How many times do we suffer harm because we've allowed people into our life that really need to be held back at arm's length? Sometimes we need to consider who are the EDPs, the emotionally draining people in our life that are doing more harm than good. Remember, guard your heart. What does that look like for you in certain relationships? Because we can become so busy on managing emotionally draining relationships in life that we don't have the time or the energy to think the thoughts we need to think to get to where we need to go. Because I'm constantly trying to repair something with this person or or trying to pick myself up after being around that person. So if you're going to guard your heart, we're going to have to start to guard who and what we let in. Here's one for some of you. Keep out the critics. Do you have any critics in your life that regardless of what you do, it never seems to be good enough? You never accomplished enough. Uh, They complain about something. Something's always wrong. They're never happy. Hey, at some point, we need to just say, the door's being closed. I have to protect what's most important. And I just can't allow you to continue to pollute the source because everything downstream is being affected. And so what does that look like for us to protect the heart? We need to guard who and what we let in. Because what you let in eventually is what comes out. Here's an example. I I do my sermon work on my Mac computer. And my MacBook, great computer, but it is only as good as what I allow in it or what I input into it. And so if I ever give you a bad sermon, God forbid, hopefully that doesn't happen. But if I ever give you a bad sermon, it would be foolish for me to go back to my MacBook on Monday morning and say, you suck, and you let me down, and you let all the church down, and how could you do it? Because it's only as good as what I allow into it. It only gives out the message that's as good as what I put into it. And some of us need to stop blaming our emotions and start looking at what have we put into our heart? What have we allowed in that has possibly polluted the source. Here's the next thing. Guard what comes out. What is in your heart comes out of your mouth, and what comes out of your mouth goes back into your heart. We, we hear people say all the time, well, I just say what I feel, which is okay as long as you're prepared to feel what you say. And so you can say what you feel, but what comes out of your mouth feeds back. It's a cycle. And so you can say what you feel, but you will feel more of what you say. What what comes out of your mouth? When you're alone in the car and no one's around, or you get in your car after work and you slam that door, what are the things, come on, we all have them, right? When you leave that relationship or you leave that person and and they walk out of your office, what are the things that, 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 that you say 
What goes in comes out, and what goes out goes back in. And so when my children were younger, they had this phrase, it's not fair. And they said it all the time. Nothing in life was, it's not fair, it's not fair. And the more they said it, the more they believed that life wasn't fair. And we kind of had to steer them away because the more they say it, the more they believe it. And their emotions can take them away, making them feel like someone else got something they deserved. Pay attention to what you say because it reinforces what you believe. If you don't like how you feel, look at what you say. And if you don't like what you say, look at how you feel because it's a cycle that we're perpetually feeding into and at some point it needs to be broken if we're going to get emotive control over our emotions. Look at the, the third one. Take ownership of your feelings. Now this can be a difficult one. In order to guard something, you have to own it or be put in charge of it. In other words, we need to stop transferring our emotions onto someone else. Well, how many times do we say this? He or she made me so mad. Really? They, they, they put some type of spell on you, and they made you do something against your will, and they made you... No, what would be more appropriate is to say, I chose to get mad because of what they did. But it's easier for us to defer, for us to say, you did it. Or how about this one? How about this one? Traffic made me so angry, right? Now, which, we got some bad traffic here, but what would be more appropriate is I chose to allow traffic to ruin my emotions. It's taking ownership for that which is inside of us. Or how about this, they put me in a bad mood. Like they picked you up, scooped you up, and placed you in another part of, like, like I do when my dog was a puppy. I'd pick him up, and I'd put him outside, and he didn't have a choice. Someone put you in a bad mood, right? We allowed them to put us into a bad mood, and we chose to go there. Start to accept responsibility of what's taking place inside of you. Now, for men, uh, you know, we can have this little thing of an anger outburst. And we're really quick to say, well, if you would only not, and when you do, I... No, just take responsibility. Hey, it's something in me that I need to work on. Accept responsibility for whatever it is you're feeling. Guarding your heart is no one's job except yours. Solomon doesn't say, make sure your spouse guards your heart. Solomon doesn't say it's, it's your mama's job or it's your daddy's job. Solomon doesn't say it's your best friend's job. And he doesn't say it's your pastor's job. He says above all else, it rests upon you. And if you don't guard your heart, it will be exposed. And it's only a matter of time before what comes out is not the person that you wanted to be. So we have to take responsibility for that. Here's one that I wanted to talk with you on. Number four, talk to yourself. In other words, stop believing everything you feel and begin to challenge your own emotions, which is something we rarely or never do. In other words, just because you feel it doesn't mean it's truth, doesn't mean it's right. Your emotions will con you, deceive you, and lead you astray. I like the response of David, the psalmist, when he writes this, Psalm 42. He asks himself, he talks to himself, he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? 
And why so disturbed within me? I, like, I can see him walking around saying, Soul, why are you so depressed today? Why are you feeling this way? Why are you so disturbed? Why, why have you lost all hope? What's going on inside of you? Notice when he says, why so disturbed within me? In other words, it's not what's taking place outside of me. The problem is what's taking place inside of me. And you will never be able to control all of the circumstances on the outside, but we do have control over what's taking place on the inside. And so David, he owns his emotions. He speaks to his soul and says, Soul, what's going on? Why are you feeling like this? And then he commands his soul. He talks to himself, challenges his emotions. Listen to what he says. Put your hope in God. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you disturbed within me? And you can almost say, listen, I'm telling you what to do. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Some of us need to start talking to ourselves. Be careful when you're in target, but some of us need to start talking to ourselves. Because every emotion that we feel, we allow it to talk to us, but we never talk back to it. Listen, listen to what... Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones author says, I love this. He says, the main trouble in this whole matter, matter of spiritual depression, in a sense is this, that we allow ourself to talk to us instead of talking to ourself. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Hey, there's something strong right there. How many times do we listen to ourselves? All of those emotions that are firing in our head, and we're like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, life's over, this is horrible, and it's just going to get worse. Instead of talking to ourselves and saying, soul, why are you so depressed? I'm going to tell you what we're going to do from here forward. You're not steering the ship anymore. I'm talking to myself instead of myself always talking to me. Some of us need to just say, soul, why are you so depressed? The day hasn't even started, and yet you're already telling me how bad the day's going to be. I'm telling you that God's mercies never cease, and they are new every morning, and God has more to say about what my day's going to look like than you do. I'm speaking to you. Start to speak to yourself. I will not allow you to run unchallenged any longer. I will not allow you to move unrestricted. I, I, I will not allow my emotions to be what leads me, but my spirit will start to rule above my flesh and my emotions. The book of Lamentations, the poet, he does a very similar thing than David did. He had been through an intense trial. He was weary and he was worn out. He thought he'd lost all hope. He says this in Lamentations 3. He says, my soul is bereft of peace, meaning it is, I have no peace within me. And I have forgotten what happiness is. Some of you, you may have never said it like that, but that little phrase summarizes last year for you. You have forgotten what happiness is. He, he, he says, my soul Absent of peace. I forgot what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. I'm weak. And so has my hope from the Lord. 
So he, he kind of sums up, all right, so here's where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. I am hopeless. I am without peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. But he doesn't stay there. He talks to himself. He, he, he voices something deeper. Look what he says in verse 21. He says, but this I call to mind. He says, but I am choosing to think about something else. And therefore, I have hope because my emotions are not going to rule me. And so I call this to mind. Therefore, I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. And great is your faithfulness. Some of us need to start reminding ourselves of truth and start speaking to your soul. Tomorrow's Monday morning, right? You're all going to wake up looking like this, right? Isn't that your Monday morning face? So when you get out of bed on Monday and your souls are and your emotions start to say, it's going to be a lousy day and you got to go into work and deal with all those people you hate and you got to get the kids in school. Stop. Hey, wait a second. I'm talking back to you. And the steadfast love of the Lord never changes and His mercy is new to me. Even today, I, have, I am putting my day in the hands of a God who loves me instead of this emotion that has already determined what my day will be like after 10 minutes of crawling out of bed. We need to just start speaking to ourselves the truth of God over us instead of our emotions leading us astray. Tomorrow when you wake up, ask yourself this question. Why are you so downcast today? Here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna move in the mercies and the love of God. And we're going to look for God to do something exceptional in our lives today. You're not controlling the situation anymore. We're moving out of that. Here's my last thought for you. Change our focus. 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations. Now, hold on to that word, imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So we have imaginations and something coming against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Meaning from this day forward, everything that we allow ourselves to think on will be obedient to the truth of Jesus. And those things which are not lining up with the truth of who Jesus is, that we choose to no longer dwell on those things. Our emotions are set on fire by our imagination. And our imagination allows us to go to the worst case scenario almost every time. And so oftentimes we find ourselves fighting with the shadows and with the ghosts of what if and the maybes and we're stabbed by suppose if and we're wrestling with I think and this could happen and what if this happens and and what if and all of our imagination takes us away and what it takes us away from, look at it, it takes us away from what we know to be true about God. Imagination and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's our imagination that fuels our emotion, that pulls us away from what our spirit knows to be true about our Heavenly Father. That's how the enemy will come against us. Starting in our thoughts, in our imagination, that you don't have what God has promised you. That God has withdrawn His hand from you. That you're just kind of fumbling through life right now. Listen, the circumstances that you're in today and often the emotions that you're experiencing are coming against what your spirit knows to be true about a good father. 
And too often, our emotions rule over our spirit. And what I'm suggesting today, just in the introduction to the series, that we start to guard our heart, that our spirit begins to rule over our flesh. That we start to live on the truth of God's word over us, then allowing our emotions to cast all kinds of slime and decay and hurt upon us even before the day starts. Because our emotions have hijacked what we know to be true or hopefully know to be true about God's goodness, God's grace, and God's love for us. So today, we stop leading with our emotions. And we start to claim and believe what our spirit knows to be true about God. And so today, we move from emotive confusion, and we start the journey to start moving to emotive control. That you would be able to answer, are your emotions contributing or controlling your life? That we can say, my emotions are contributing to the life that God has for us. You know when Jesus says in John 10.10 that I've come to give you an abundant life, it's really hard to step into that abundant life when our emotions are, is what's leading us. Because my emotions lie to me. And they lie to you. And so I'm asking that we consider beginning to guard what is most important. And it starts with us guarding our heart. So what does that look like for you today? Take a moment. Just close your eyes in silence. And trust that the Holy Spirit spoke to you. And be honest with yourself. Face into what God is speaking over you. What does it look like if you begin to guard your heart and guard who you've allowed in? What does it look like to begin to guard what you allow out of your mouth? What does it look like to... Begin to own your emotions. And what area do you need to begin to talk to yourself? When David was downcast, there's a little phrase that says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. What does that look like for you? To begin to talk to yourself and encourage yourself. And then where has your imagination led you astray? Lord, our desire is to step into what you would have for us this year. 
to step into being the men and women that you have created us to be and to step into that transformation that you desire to work within us. And I pray that upon our church. I pray that our spirit is strengthened to rule over those things that will deceive us and con us and lead us astray. You can just continue in an attitude of prayer. You can keep your eyes closed. And if you're new with us or maybe you've been here numerous times, it's, uh, I hope this talk on emotions is good for you and beneficial, but the best thing that we can give you as a church, that I can give you as a pastor, is Jesus. And so I don't know where you came in today, what the condition of your spiritual life is, but the best thing I can give you is the gift of Jesus, who takes away all of our sins and all of our stains and sets us on a new course. And if you've never taken that step, and maybe while I've been talking, you've just felt something inside of you, and that's God who's placing his hand upon you, calling him unto himself. And if you've never made that decision to, to be a Christ follower, and you're here today, and you just you feel like now is the time, it just I won't ask you to do anything strange, but if you'd slip up your hand, just so I could recognize you. Father, I pray for your best. Thank you there. Just in your heart, just believe with me in this prayer. Now today I submit myself to you. And I, I make the decision to place you as the leader of my life, as the Lord of my life. And I come and I repent of all of that which I have done wrong and ask that you would cleanse me of sin and set me on a new course and a new path to experience your best for me. That you would begin to restore my relationship with you and that through that you would begin to restore my relationship with others and even my relationship with myself as I can be my own worst enemy. And so I come to you today, accepting your gift of forgiveness. For the rest of you, church, I speak a blessing over you this year. I pray a blessing that the face of God would shine upon you, the hand of God would rest upon you, that the Spirit of God would hover over your family and over your household, that it would be a year that you experience the richness 
Father God who loves us. And I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen.